Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey guys, welcome back to Digital Artcast and another episode coming fast and furious at you from the interwebs. Um, whatever you guys are doing right now, I hope you're staying safe uh, and focusing on any projects uh, to keep you sane while the pandemic roams the earth at the moment. Um, again, today, another great guest, uh, someone that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a couple of weeks now, and we're finally nailed down a day that we can talk uh, after much back and forth. Uh, but if you can welcome along today's guest, um, it's with Laura Gallagher. Hey, Laura. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, and also for... using the, the, the video vi- the video version as well so you can see her lovely face so yeah <laughs> cool. well thanks for the invite uh, it's good to be here yeah, yeah definitely thanks for coming on and giving up your time I know you're, you're hella busy running your own thing doing your, your entrepreneurship that you do so well um, but yeah so your uh, artwork and, and your, your company Outgang came to my attention through a mutual friend and and uh yeah it was interesting to see what you're doing because uh again when it comes to i think specifically character schools and 3d character schools um there aren't many i could maybe even count on one hand the amount of people who actually do that kind of full time so um yeah i mean we could dive into your backstory and and all the the rest of the stuff but um for people who don't know you could you run just a quick intro just uh, who you are and what you do yeah, sure. So uh, essentially, I've been uh, working in the games industry for about, uh, it's like, um, um, I think every time I answer that question, I give a different number. So I guess it's probably good if I start to like, say the year, you know, like after like, you've been working in the industry for 10 years, it's like, at some point, you're just like, yeah, it's been like, I don't know, it's been more than like 10 or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, you kind of stop to like, count the years there. Shot. But uh, yeah. Uh, I did count the years very uh, religiously before that because I was like really proud. I'm like, oh, it's been six years. <gasps> it's been seven years. Oh, my God. It's like wonderful. Um, yeah. So I've been essentially working in the games industry since 2008, actually. That's when I started. Um, maybe just give you guys a bit of a background. I went to 3D school before that uh, for about a year uh, here in Montreal. So that was uh, 2007. And uh, like, like things have actually changed quite a lot because like 
when I was in school, it was a one-year program, uh, and then after I left school, the the school where I went uh, uh, switched to a um, to an actual university, and now like it's a, like a three-year uh, program, which uh, right. I think probably attracts a very different uh, client base. You know, like I don't know that I would have necessarily gone to three D school had it been a three-year program back then, but uh, I suppose it's a right. discussion for uh, later there. Um, yeah, so. 3D school, 2007, uh, and then straight into the uh, into the games industry. Uh, went to work at IDOS Montreal for uh, stayed there for about 10 years. Uh, had a chance there to go from a junior all the way up to a lead position. Uh, project I've worked on were Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution. That was the first one. It was a five-year program or five-year project. It was a really long one. It was super interesting. I met a lot of fantastic people working on that. Um, then Tomb Raider. Then uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, so the sequel to Human Revolution. Mm-hmm. Stayed there for about 10 years. I uh, worked on another project that was there. Uh, the project has not been announced yet, so I can't really talk mm-hmm. about that one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, then I left uh, that studio, went to work in Amsterdam for about two years at uh, Gorilla Games. And uh, then I came back. So I came back in 2019 to Montreal which is my hometown. And I pretty much uh, came back and I founded my own uh, company and focusing on education for affordable character art education. That's pretty much it. That's quite a resume. <laughs> 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 that's, that's quite an intense uh, um, set of uh, projects that you've been on. Like um, DSX as well, I think, which was interesting when we talked about it not too long ago when, you know, because I told you I was a huge Adam Jensen fan. I really loved the fact that you worked on that character. That was a total... Yeah, thanks, like like uh, fan fanboy moment for me. I was like, oh wow, that's really cool. And and uh, and you also were involved in it was a really cool project where a young girl had a prosthetic arm. Uh, that's right. Yeah, modeled that's... after Adams, but you modeled that as well, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a super interesting project there. Like, um, you know, like at the heart of uh, Deus Ex, uh, the whole franchise essentially is this idea of transhumanism, right? Like the mm-hmm. uh, the sort of idea that we can become sort of uh, bigger than ourselves as human uh, beings, if we sort of um, start to sort of uh, 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 transform ourselves through like uh, prosthetics and augmentations and like stuff like that, that's like really, really at the key of the of the franchise there. And one thing there that that, that was really like a real cornerstone of that when I was working on that franchise there, uh, the art director that we had, uh, that guy was just fantastic to like work with. Like he, um, I don't know if he, if he knows about this, but like he's, uh, he really transformed my own take on like what uh, what um, art direction is and, and like how to like approach it and how to really sort of develop an art direction that is really like uh, that 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 really has the word art at its core you know um, but so like for him like it was really important that um, uh, not only do we make these kind of augmentations through the game you know for like the players to like play with and for like the uh, characters of course to hold franchise really sort of revolves around that, but um, to really also make it fashionable, make it desirable, make it interesting uh, for for people, you know, because like, truth be told, like, um, like now I think that uh, Open uh, Bionics, which is the uh, company that you are uh, referring to that, you know, build these real life uh, prostheses now, um, mm-hmm. like when we're working on uh, Day of Sex, um, there wasn't really any sort of like fashionable prosthetics, if you see what I mean, sort of out there, you know, like, it's like if you had, a, you know, if you had a, a disability and you needed to have, a, you know, like a, a and, um, you know, like a, a something to sort of uh, help you there, whether it's a, whether it's a leg or an like, arm or something. Or like a limb, limb, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It's like um, yeah. it was pretty much always like sort of replicas of like your, the real thing in like real life. You know, like it it looks like medical devices. Really, like it's not. There was all no that design to it, no art aesthetic. It was just like mechanics. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. and uh, like that was really at the core of uh, Deus Ex uh, as a franchise. Like that was really, really uh, sort of important for us. You know, like to make. Um, you know, like our own virtual versions of prosthetics that are not only essentially something that is there to be functional, but is that is also fashionable and sort of desirable, you know? So uh, I don't remember the year, but it was like somewhere like mid 2000s or so. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. Uh, contacted by Open uh, Bionics, which like they were essentially developing that, but like for real, like actual real prosthetics that were there to uh, just help people with uh, disabilities and uh, mm-hmm. um just to make like not only functional stuff, but like really sort of beautiful, desirable prosthetics, you know? So like, I think that that spoke really to the core of uh, the studio and uh, the uh, values that uh, uh, that was pretty much at the heart of that, you know? So that was a great uh, collaboration. Yeah, I mean, like, I I think also DSX is like a sleeper where it came in at a time when, I mean, gaming now is so mainstream, you know, especially with stuff like Twitch, where like, it's very in the public facing eye and um, of course, Cyberpunk has come out recently, um, but you know, DSX <laughs> was one of the first, you know, revolutions of that kind of like hitting the world and especially gaming. Um, and I know this is even going way back when the first, I think it was like the first teaser of the first game, um, which I think was the Human Revolution, um, came out. You know, I was kind of sitting with intentionally watching that because I played the series when it was like its first iteration on PC back in you know early early 2000s maybe even late 90s and for that you know even the the story line at the time when the first one was interesting because it plays almost parallels to what we're going through now but like if you you know if you're og uh, dsx fans in the house but yeah again uh i think that whole series is one of the best art directed representations of games uh in the last 20 years i think it, it definitely has roots that will stem for many many years when people go back and play it and i think like you talked about the art director changed your interpretation of art direction i think when i watched and played that game it did hit me as an artist as well as a player and i think it was a a monument to idos at the time and uh, i'm just sad sometimes that people aren't in mass you know knowing how amazing that game really is um even the mechanics for it you know like the whole thing we watched where like his vision and breaking through walls and the whole stealth mechanic like that stuff was just done so well gameplay wise. So it wasn't it just aesthetically pleasing. It was also just game wise. It was just incredible to play. So um, yeah, that must have been an incredible experience. And all those people you got to meet those ten years you were there. Um, is that ever something that's kind of like lurking in your heart somewhere at the back that Idos might be, you know, maybe one day you might you might venture back into that studio or maybe connect to another project with you guys. Well, um, one thing I haven't said to the team there, but uh, that if they do. Listen to this, guys. Uh, if uh, you know, so, so like, you probably know that essentially after Mankind divided shipped, uh, essentially the uh, the franchise got uh, deprioritized uh, for like a while there within the studio. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how, what things are sort of uh, going on there right now. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah. Um, essentially the team won't uh, uh, tell me these kind of things. You know, but yeah, it's course, like yeah. um, it's like. If people at Idos Montreal, if you guys are listening to this, uh, if ever or whenever, essentially, there is a new uh, Deus Ex that happens within your uh, studio, 
uh, call me because I want to work on that again. Um, yeah, yeah, it would be interesting as well. I think because I know there was the the kind of standalone DLC that came with one of them at one point that was almost like an extra game, but the, the the third iteration never really hit, and that I think was for me also a bit of a bummer because I felt like the trilogy would have rounded that whole, especially Adam's story and the whole uh you know mech thing that was going on in the alterations like you know mankind divided i think also really, but mankind divided i think also fell into the trap that it came out a really weird time as well between a lot of games that um were, were i think more mainstream and, and it was i think because it was quite a niche of a game and i think it didn't fall into more mainstream stuff at the time so yeah but you know that whole team and, and that game was was definitely for me um a crowning achievement so yeah pretty awesome that you got to work in that um and okay, then of course thanks. Yeah, and, and now, you know, you've done your stint also uh, in the Netherlands working on the Horizon game that's been announced now, the new one. So that would have been great as well because obviously I hear Gorilla are a great team to work with as well. So you've done all this stuff. You've you've had this great career and education and, uh, you know, worked up to a lead and, and worked in these, these, these great projects. So what was the draw to come back and start out, gang? Like, what was the pull that really wanted you to move away again from another project to do your own thing? Well, um, when I left uh, Guerrilla Games, uh, I knew I wanted to found my own company. But uh, to be honest, I wasn't really sure what company I wanted to found. That wasn't really clear to me back then. Yeah? Um, but like, I've been listening. I've been uh, doing a lot of research. I've been really sort of um, educating myself on the topic of like um, entrepreneurship and everything right. that kind of has to do with that. You know? And like, uh, I keep hearing left and right from like different sources or like, different uh, mentors in that field. You know, It's like... A lot of people who find their own comp- who who found their own uh, companies or really launched themselves in that, uh, they usually do it around their thirties or so. Like that's kind of like a, a common time, you know. Because if you try to found your own business, if you try to launch yourself in uh, the um, in you know something you want to do there, and you're like within your forties, like you can certainly uh, do it. Of course, you know it's like uh, the, there's uh, nothing that's going to stop you from uh, doing that. But at the same time, it's like. Often, once you get to your forties, you know, like 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 people start to become a bit too comfortable with a family, house, and uh, and uh, kids, you know. So so um, like by that time, uh, it's sometime like a bit too late for some people. And when you're like twenty, you know, like you often don't really think about that either, because like, well, you know, when I was uh, twenty years old, really, like the only thing I really wanted to do was just to prove myself in the games industry and work on like some uh, cool uh, projects there. And um, you know, I would not have traded the time I was spending on uh, Deus Ex for anything at all either. So um, I, I just, I hate to say it, but like, it, it just felt like the right time for me. You know, it's like, I want to do this. Like I was kind of thinking of my life, right? And I'm like, okay, what are the regrets that I'm going to have when I'm 60 years old? You know, like what kind of regrets will I have? And one of the regrets I would have had would have been to uh, spend my whole life within the same studio. So as much as I mm. liked Ida's Montreal. That's kind of the reflection that made me say, like, okay, after I had been there for like about a decade there, I was like, yeah, I think once once I'm 60, I may regret uh, working in the same studio because there are people who do that. You know, it's like they they spend their whole yeah. uh, their whole uh, career working within the same studio, and there's really nothing mm. wrong with that. And if people want yeah. to do that and they're quite happy, then all the more uh, power to them, right? But I was kind of yeah. having that reflection on my whole life, on my own life, and I was like, yeah. I will probably regret this if I don't go and work abroad at some point within my life there. So I kind of wanted to have that that uh, that sort of experience. So that's why essentially I left uh, where I was in uh, Montreal to go work um, in at uh, uh, Guerrilla Games, and you know I more or less had the same reflection like two years later. And like like if I want to like 
create my own uh, company, maybe try that out, see how things go there. I kind of have to do it now, you know, like now is a good time to like do so. So yeah, like it's kind of like all these kind of reflections upon like, what will I regret when I am older that I have, that I have had never done within my life, right? Um, right. And yeah, so when I left Guerrilla Games, it really wasn't clear to me yet what exactly I wanted to do as far as a business was concerned, but it was clear to me that I wanted to do a business of some kind. Um, and so uh, I had the uh, privilege of having a bit of a financial uh, cushion there. So when I came back in uh, 2019, I spent about like, I tell you, I spent about like six months or so just sort of um, taking a bit of a sabbatical break. You know, like, first of all, I kind of wanted to have that too. And after like uh, 12 years working in the games uh, industry, it was kind of important for me to maybe have a bit of a break there. Um, and like, but during those six times, I was kind of just, uh, those, those six months, I was kind of just enjoying myself, kind of thinking through like, okay, like what kind of, of business like do I want to do and it was really important for me that I really sort of come up with a business plan or like a business idea or like something that was really um near and dear to me you know I knew it was going to be a lot of work like it's a whole lot of uh of uh, work to build your own uh company and stuff so it was really important for me that I I really find something that I believe in uh so that I I, I really have the motivation to uh, pull through and really work on this and not just uh, drop out after a few months there. So um, yeah, it took me about like another six months to maybe like put a plan together, kind of think through what kind of business do I want to do? You know, it's, that's more or less how it came up to uh, the fact that I wanted to really found a company that's really focused on affordable character art education. I mean, like I think also by luck, it would have been good as well for you because when the pandemic hit, obviously people were then more indoors, they were learning online more, they were, you know, nobody able to go to traditional schools or anything in the area um but yeah that probably was a good time also for that to hit for your channel to kind of grow as well for people watching online content i mean for you saying affordable what do you think was like the major trappings you saw in bigger schools was it the prices were just you know overinflated? i mean i don't know what the cost for you know typical schools are across there compared to the uk but um was it just something you saw that was like just that was that was the main thing that kind of drove you to the school was the pricing yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, I do have, uh, so I've been teaching for about nine years so far. I have been teaching for like quite a long time so far. Like I've taught at like a university, I've taught for places uh, that are more online, these, these sorts of things. Um, there are contracts I've signed that kind of stop me from perhaps uh, talking too deeply about certain places um, mm -hmm. that are related to that, but you've pretty much mostly said what you needed to say there. Um, yeah, 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 the price. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Cause like, I'm sort of thinking, I'm like, I want to have, I want to have an impact on the world. I want to, like, I'm not going to change the world. I'm not going to save the world from itself. And Lord knows that uh, it sort of probably needs a bit of saving right now, but you know, I'm certainly not going to do that, but like, what can I do that's going to help people out, you know? And like, truth be told, like, um, like here in uh, Montreal, like we're actually quite lucky because um, education here, it's not free. But it's also not very expensive. You know, it's kind of in the between. It's like, yeah, it's going to cost you some cash to go and like study, but you're not going to like sort of uh, have debts over your head. Like if you're in the in the uh, in the United States there. Right. So um, yeah. but like even then, you know, like like I know quite a lot of people who, uh, you know, they really want to pick up uh, character art. They really want to break into video games. They're simply not able to do so because they simply cannot afford the uh the cost of the education that they're going to use to be able to to uh to to like reach that you know and to like yeah. actually sort of develop actual skills that people need you know like 
one of the problems we have with like universities too uh, nowadays is that there's a lot of universities that they just don't really um, they teach things that are certainly very interesting to know, but that won't necessarily get you a job later on. You know, it's like uh, it it takes a long time to develop a university program. You will have uh, that program. Uh, which will often stay there for like decades, you know? So there's so many programs at like university that are simply um, don't lead to a lot of jobs afterwards, you know? And people don't necessarily always know that. Um, but like 3D art, uh, character art, that's in high demand, you know? It's like, I know a lot of people working in video game studios and the thing I commonly hear is like, yeah, we can't find people. We simply cannot hire enough people for the studio because we can't find people that are good enough to work here, you know? It's not that there's a lack of people applying at studios, but there's a lack of people whose skill is good enough to meet that sort of quality bar that studios are sort of looking for, you know? So yeah. on one hand, um, you have like a huge demand for highly skilled people who do character art. And on the other hand, you have a big pool of people who uh, simply uh, uh, um, perhaps go to 3D school, but don't quite reach the skill level that they actually need to be able to break yeah. into the industry or are perhaps not even able to do so, you know, to, to, to like um, even get in school to begin with. So that's yeah. kind of, that's, that's sort of the positioning that the company has. It's really helped those uh, people reach their goals. Yeah, I think you've kind of touched on a few things, but definitely the one I noticed when I went to university and my course was, was three years long, um, you know, but then I did feel they were teaching me things, but then nothing that was, industry standard i think the one bereave we had before we left was they had one student who left and worked in the games industry who had unfortunately been a studio that closed and then he came back to teach so he had obviously some semblance what was you know needed to go out and work i mean when i went and did a talk the, the year later i came back to university to do a talk um because i'd been freelancing at that point and people were also asking questions i was saying the what the first question i asked people was who here knows what art station is and there was like two people put their hand up and i was like oh my god like that's bad you know like people should at least know what art station is because that is obviously the barometer for the industry um yeah. and yeah like it, it was it was scary they, they went you know and these were people who were like fourth years who were like just about to leave and you know didn't even really know what art station was so i was like oh god you know it was it was it was frightening but yeah i think it is just this whole gap between traditional universities and then online schools trying to fight for students to really see what's the best value and i think honestly i mean no badness to brick and mortars i know there's a place for it but i think um traditional universities in my eyes just can't keep up with the industry and can't keep up with the need and demand yeah. for new skills and new softwares so yeah yeah i think you're, you're quite right what's well in regards to that what do you think are some of the fundamentals or foundations that people miss when it comes specifically to character art like what are the things you see gaps in when people come to you with portfolios mm -mm -mm. i think you know like one of the common misconceptions I think that students have or people who are learning this particular field have is that uh, a common misconception, I think, is that it's all about the software. You know, like it's all about learning the interface of ZBrush. Okay, how do I use ZBrush? How do I use like all these different softwares? You know, um, and truth be told, um, I think we, and when I learned 3D myself, so about 10 or 15 years ago, so um, there was a certain truth to that because it, like there were not a lot of software people were using, you know, like mostly, especially the games industry was all focused on 3ds Max back then. Um, there wasn't the uh, sort of like the flurry of, of software that is now there, you know? So like, at least yeah. there's still like one sculpting program that's that pretty much everyone uses. But like outside of that, it's like everyone's all over the place in terms of like uh, yeah. 3D software, like people use, right? So, so but uh, somehow this, and... Um, yeah, and you know, back then too, 
there was some truth to that because like people just couldn't find people who even knew these different softwares. So you would get hired if you were, you know, if you knew 3ds Max well enough. You know, like it was pretty common to try and sort of break into the games industry like that. But uh, I think we've reached a point through um, throughout the years there where I think software for me is less a priority now. It's more a priority to really focus on really great art itself. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, a misconception. I think that people still focus too much on understanding software and the technical side of character creation. I mean, and you have to know these things, of course. I'm not saying that it's bad to learn these things, but the problem is that a lot of people focus exclusively on these things, on mastering software and these sorts of things, and not enough students uh, worry more about the artistic implications of what it is that they are doing, you know? Because like most people who um, want to break into the games industry to do character art, but don't actually succeed uh, at it, usually you look at a portfolio, you're like, okay, like you know the, technical side of character creation, but artistically speaking, you still have a lot to improve. And I think that that's also probably a disservice that a lot of brick and mortar schools uh, do when they teach character arts, that they overly focus on the software and they don't focus mm -hmm. enough on, okay, like these are tools, what kind of great content do you do with these tools afterward? You know, like really yeah. pushing the artistic quality of art there, you know? Cause like truth be told, like I've worked at so many studios now and I've talked with so many different people. I mean, I've hired people in that, in that uh, position too. It's like, let's say we have a pipeline that's fully Maya based and you only know 3ds Max or you only know Blender. Who cares? Like, it's fine, you know? Like you'll learn Maya in your first few months working for us. If you're great, if you really have really deep knowledge as far as character art creation is concerned that is detached from the software, uh, but that is attached to, let's say, the artistic implications of how to create great uh, characters, you have what you need to be able to break into the games industry. And the software itself, it's just a tool. It's a tool that you use to create great art. You know, It's not, uh, um, as we say, the, uh, the uh, medium is not the message. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, I know what you're saying. It's like, I think it's the... I just don't think a lot of students put in enough mileage. I mean, I'm guilty of this as well, obviously, but, you know, I think it's the fact that they get to a point where they think, okay, like, I'm good enough, but then the barometer, again, isn't where they think it is. Like, they leave university thinking, like, oh, this is good enough, but then they need to be here, you know? So it's like, there's a point, I mean, Raf Gazette said it himself, there's a point you'll get to where the software will disappear and you don't really think about the software anymore. You're just creating, and you create so much eventually that you start to build an artistic taste and style through just the the amount of work you put out so eventually you get to a point like it says where like you know you're starting to interpret shapes and you know textures and patterns differently and then that's the artistic side taking over because you're less your technical brain kind of fades away because you know you know there's only so many buttons only so many brushes set so, so that goes away at one point and then all you're left with is the artistic interpretation like well, how does his leg look how does that function like that so yeah i think that's something i've seen even in some of my 3d work as well over the last couple of years is like as the software gets less and less complex and you know which buttons to push, you're then interpreting more on the actual PC artwork. So how does your your school kind of structure? Do you do a kind of boot camp or one-on-one -on -one sessions or is there like a course that people can follow? Or is there, is there all those things? I don't know how it kind of is structured, but... Yeah, so so far, I mean, first of all, uh, people can actually come and visit my own uh, school, if I can uh, call it that. It's not quite a school yet, but uh, it may become that in the future. Uh, at uh, at outgang.studio, that is the website that people can uh, go to if they want to check out, if they want to subscribe, if they want to see the classes that I produce pretty much every week there. And uh, so there isn't, let's say, a, a, a defined program throughout the classes, but the classes are arranged in a somewhat logical order. So the, so the idea is that you simply go to the website, you go to the learn page, 
and uh, you take a topic in there that you're interested in and you pretty much mm. go from left to right. So you start right. from the uh, left and uh, you simply work your way towards the right there. That's kind of how it goes in terms of complexity. Um, yeah. So if people want to learn ZBrush, they can go on the website, they can go to the learn page, they can check out the ZBrush section. And uh, essentially the first class that's on the left completely is like a, a, a very, very gentle introduction to the interface of ZBrush, to all the buttons, all the, 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 the essential functions. You need to be able to sculpt your first, uh, your first uh, sculptures. And then you can simply work your way towards the right throughout the classes until you uh, absorb all of that content there. So that's kind of how it works. There isn't a set program right now, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I, at some point, that will be something that's nice to put together. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot to work on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're only in like the the very uh, early stages of, of what you're doing anyway. So you know, there's still a, a learning curve for you as well into what's working and what's not, and what people are maybe wanting more of and less of. And so that's also something you have to figure out as you go as well. And this is a, as far as I know, this is a pay monthly scheme you have right as well. It's so much per month to, to join yeah. and then have access to these lessons. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. uh it's uh ten dollars uh, per month. Yeah, which is. Nothing compared to, you know, I, what a school would charge per month, per semester, per term. So um, even some of the online schools like, you know, like Nomon or uh, CG Master Academy, stuff like that, you know, like those guys, obviously, it's a couple hundred or even thousands sometimes, depending on the course. So, so yeah, 10 bucks a month is, is very affordable, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, but you do some one-to-one -one stuff, right? You can, people can pay to do have like a kind of one-on-one -on -one thing as well. Although I think those are uh, full at the moment, right? The people have took up those slots and you're not kind of taking any more at the moment, but those are available at one point. Uh, I do actually have some mentorship spots that are open right now. So people could actually go and they could actually subscribe to that. Uh, we're about uh, more or less half sold out. I don't take a lot of uh, mentees uh, at the same time because my time yeah. is very limited, unfortunately. Um, of course, of course. And also mentorships are quite a lot more expensive because uh, that is essentially one-on-one -on -one time and uh, yeah. being in charge of a company, uh, there's quite a lot I have to do. So essentially that... that uh, that uh, time is more uh, is more valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, so, so these things cost more, but um, like at some point, uh, it is also uh, not a bad thing to uh, consider because, like, the thing is that uh, I see a lot of people. You know, like there's a lot of people who come to me for the uh, mentorship that are um, they always have all these different uh, misconceptions about their work. You know, and like I mean, I'm sure you've you've sort of experienced that yourself too. It's like when we're sort of very deep in a in a particular uh, thing that we are sculpting, that we're uh, creating, uh, it's hard to lose the big picture. It's hard to lose the picture, like to take some perspective upon the work that we are yeah. uh, doing there. And I see a lot of people who uh, waste so much time focusing on details that will never be seen afterward. You know, like it's very, very yeah. common for us, I think, because, you know, like we're so excited about uh, character art. Like we get so like, wrapped up in like the work that we do in, in, in the details, you know, we love to do the details, right? That at some yeah, point, yeah. it's very easy to spend like so many months doing things that ultimately will never actually be seen, you know? Seen. It's like, yeah. how many conversations have I had with people who are overly focused on creating tiny little details somewhere? They're spending days, they're spending weeks, sometimes even months yeah. just focusing on like all these tiny little details. And then you talk to them and you sort of ask them the question. So, okay, like, will this be seen in the end? You know, and then they're like, oh, no, no, I'm just going to put something on top of that. It's like, you're not actually going to see that. Or like, I'm just going to put a screenshot from the front of the character. And like, or like, I'm going to do a turntable that's like sort of zoomed out from like the character where like all the details that they're sort of working on is just going to look like noise. Yeah. You know? It's like, there's like, like, 
I don't know what it is. And like, I, I experienced that myself too. Okay. It's like, even after working 12 years in the games industry, I still do that myself too. I have to like physically sometimes quite literally pull myself off of my my uh, computer, the 3D models that I'm doing, yeah. just to have a bit of perspective on what it is that I'm doing and just, just be asking myself yeah. the hard questions, you know? Dora, is this yeah. worth it? Is this time actually valuable to you, you know? Now, um, you know, I have the benefit of 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 now, like, like I'm more financially uh, comfortable. So if I spend three months working on something that doesn't lead anywhere, I can just say, well, I've learned something and then that's it, you know? Like, yeah. like it's not the end of the world there, but there are people in a situation where, it's like, no, no, it's like every month that you're not working in the games industry is a month that you could be actually making money during that time, you know? And so in in that sort of perspective, I think that, you know, if you think about your time, the time that you are wasting on a particular project, you know, um, and that time, I mean, I don't like the word uh, wasting here. Let me just pull that out, you know, but like yeah, yeah. the time that you perhaps overly spend on a project that you didn't necessarily need to spend to be able to get uh, a valuable portfolio piece out of that. Yeah. Um, and that is time that you could actually be working in the games industry. You could be producing a freelance contract. You could be doing something that's going to bring you a whole lot more cash than what the cost of the mentorship is. So in that sense, I think that there is there a certain value uh, for the price that the mentorship has. But for sure, it's not for everyone, unfortunately. Yeah, I think mentorships is like when you get to a point where you're almost about to apply to places and you just need that second set of eyes for people to look over. Like, do I have enough stuff? Do I have the right stuff? You know, I'm going to apply to the studio. Do you think these would be good pieces? And then, of course, like, you know, like, oh, well, I've got these three and I'm going to do a fourth. So I thought, you know, I'll walk through the fourth with you. So, yeah, I think that's that's definitely the stage you want to start talking about mentees because I think one of the traps I fell in, it was like, trying to be a mentee too early on you know when people were like oh you know i could probably help you and give you feedback but then if you're at a stage where you're still learning like fundamentals essentially like how to sculpt the hand how to sculpt an arm that stuff that you don't really need particular feedback because there's so much content online including your school that can help yep. with that stuff without you needing to overlook or stand above somebody and be like you no know, left right um <clears throat> so yeah like that's that's probably a good idea but then it also is you know i think i don't know where you know character art for me you can obviously debunk this because you are a character actually worked in the industry for 12 years. I feel like that's probably, and I don't want to put everybody else's job to shame because I know everybody's job individually is difficult, but I feel like one of the most essentially hardest to get because I think because the studios have such small departments when it comes to characters because you don't need hundreds and thousands of characters like assets like buildings and stuff. You only need maybe like, you know, 10, 20, 30. So do you feel like it's maybe one of the hardest to achieve in the games industry or maybe the one that is maybe hardest to get into initially? Uh, I think, you know, like when I think of a character art team, uh, I think of, let's say, you know, like a typical team would be, I don't know, six to 10 people or something like that, right? Right. And then yeah. I think of people who do rigging and there's usually like two to three riggers there. So uh, yeah. <laughs> character art is not the uh, the position that you could do that uh, for which there is the least amount of positions. But the right. thing that is true about character art is that I think that everyone wants to be, wants to do character art. Right. So in terms yeah. of like uh, how many positions there is, like the ratio between the amount of people that there that wants the job versus the amount of jobs that there are. Yeah, that right. ratio is pretty skewed towards, um, like there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that uh, will simply never break in because uh, it, it's a very highly competitive field, you know? But um, yeah. I like to wrap that back to what I was saying at the beginning though. It's like, I speak to so many people who tell me, yeah, we have open spots for people to do character art. We are looking, we're actively just stealing people from like other studios because we really need that manpower on 
on the team, you know, and, and, and so you kind of think about it. It's like, why is it that studios have a hard time staffing up if there is also like so many people who want to actually break into the industry itself? Well, it's because yeah. of that skill delta between the skill that people usually have when they typically graduate from from 3D school and this yeah. and the skill that people actually look for in the people who are working in the games industry. That skill is very high because, you know, character art, like you're potentially making the thing we are printing on the box of the care of of the game you know like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i know that now people all buy their games uh uh, uh digitally and stuff right but they still have covers still, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like the cover art is often a character of some kind you know like it's yeah, yeah. it's very prestigious and i think that, that sort of uh that prestigious part of it really attracts mm. people but it also makes it so that uh, you need to be uh, to be very skillful to be able to to, to get in that position there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really the the biggest issue here. It's not that there's uh, a, uh, too low of a number of spots of character art in in the industry itself. It's that the bar is too different between uh, the common uh, skill level of people who want to break into yeah. the industry and the yeah. uh, level that is actually researched. Yeah, I think, yeah, excellently put. I think that's what, exactly what I was trying to say, but I couldn't quite find the words. But yeah, like, I think it is where, you know, people, there are open positions, but the, the skill level for, because it's not like, you can get junior character artists, but a junior character artist really isn't a junior character artist. Like, it's somebody who's who's probably done a couple of freelance gigs or at least yeah. shipped one title and then they're, happens, they're walking yeah. in a studio. So yeah, like, I think it's where, whereas for environment art, you know, those those teams are two, three hundred people sometimes in some studios, depending on, you know, the size. But, you know, you need just so many more world builders for that place. So you need, you know, maybe like a team of 40, 50 prop artists and environment artists, level designers. So, yeah, I think the character teams, you know, are, are typically small again because, like you said, you're only going to have so many characters, creatures, and, you know, you don't need hundreds of people. So, um, but then again... I don't think you should really ever chase something because you've got a fear that you would never really make it because there's only so you know you find yeah. you'll find you'll find a niche to you know you might not get a, that job at Blizzard or Sony Santa Monica but then there's like a thousand other studios who also need character artists so um, and then cinematic teams and indie devs and you know there's always going to be somebody that you'll be able to work for um, at one point so yeah definitely hundred percent yeah, so, yeah yeah I yeah. think you know if I can just add a small thing to that yeah, yeah of course. Um, mm -hmm. I, Everyone has the power in them to succeed as far as character art is concerned. Um, everyone has that chance. I don't believe that talent is something that exists. You know? Like everything that I, I think I'm good at today or things that I've learned that were very hard for me to learn. Um, but the thing that, that I think made me be able to be successful with pretty much everything I've, I've done that I am successful at is that I've just, I've just worked really hard at it, you know? Um, and you have to kind of accept that building skills in a field that is as complex as character art, simply, it takes mm. time. It takes years for most people to be able to reach the skill level that the industry looks for, you know? So truth be told, it's like most people who aren't able to break in, it's not because they're not good enough, it's because you just need to, to, to simply give it more time. You need to continue working on your yeah. skills, improving your skills. And uh, if you do it for long enough, eventually, yes, you will, you will get your chance. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to individual effort. I mean, you will, it's the old saying, but you will get in what you put, you'll get out what you put in. And, you know, I've seen people who, Absolutely. you know, two people, for example, I know who were recently got hired and one of them went from not being able to sculpt anything to like a year and a half later getting hired. And another guy took uh, nearly five years to get a job. But like, it really just comes down to like how many hours you sit in front of that computer and grind away. 
um, which should always be done in a healthy environment. You know, you don't want to make yourself sick or, you know, do too much that you, you, you're burning out and then you don't want to touch a computer ever again because that's obviously even yeah. worse. But, but yeah, like it, it will come down to the hours you sit in front of your computer and, and do work. That's that's always the... There's, so many people think, I think, think of shortcuts, but like there is no... And any There's discipline no where it's drawn, modeling, yeah, you just have to put the hours in. I mean, it's, 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 you can't get around that at all. Um, so again, with, with Catch Artists and again with your school you've built up and now you run online. You also have the, the YouTube channel, which is complimented. And also everything that I'm talking about here, I'll make sure that it's down in the description. All, a lot of things will be there so you guys can interact with her in any way you want. Of course, of course, we, we need to make sure people can be, you can be found and people can come to your stuff. Is there anything you would say that, um, I suppose, is the quintessential advice you would give people if they wanted to get into character art? I mean, what do you think is like, the selling point for like what would you say are like the pros and cons to to being a character artist do you, if you could wrap it up in a sentence i know it's going to be incre- incredibly hard because there's so much to it but what do you think is is the if people want to get into character art and you were talking to them you want to give them a serious talk about the job what would you say is a reality check to have before you started down that path well i don't think that um I don't think we have to talk about the pros too much because if you're mm. like like people who succeed at uh, character art or those who like Character art somehow it speaks to their core, you know. Like, like um, as far as um, I'm concerned, it's like I like to do an environment art too, like once in a while, just for the sake of it. Um, yeah, but it was always clear since the beginning. It's like even when I was uh, having my interview uh, at school in 2007, it's like uh, the people there were like, "Well, okay, so you know, you've done a bit of environment and a bit of uh, of uh, character art. What do you want to do?" It's like I want to do. Uh, character art. It was always clear to me that this is what I want to do, you know. And like right. before that, even like I. I Spent a lot of time um, studying in uh, college, like a uh, whole lot of um, in uh, medical fields and stuff like that. It's like for me, like there's something about the human body that's always been very interesting to me. That's like common, like all of my interests, they all kind of revolve around the human body in some kind or the human mind or like stuff like that. So for me, it was always just natural, you know. And, and I think the people who succeed in character art, they're kind of like that. They just know it, really, you know. They just know that it's for them. Um, and I think that that's kind of important too to like really get that motivation to go through and 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 to really go through the years of learning it because it's going to get hard, you know. Like it's going to get hard to like actually learn it, you know. So uh, in terms of pros, um, well, you get to do what you want to do, you know. Like and and it's a very very fun field. It's a creative field. It's great. I can't really talk about like how great character art is versus let's say environment art because I haven't done enough right. uh, of that yeah, to really yeah. be able to like tell, you know. But I do think mm. that one thing that is true of character art that maybe isn't true for people who do let's say environment art is that um well first of all you get to do what's on the box art and that's awesome first of all um second of all uh one thing that's also really really cool about doing character art is that you you often are more involved with the whole steps the whole creation steps of a character you know like um Mm. um a few years ago like it was quite clear to me uh i assume it's now the same um mm-hmm. but of course i can't speak for all the studios and all of that stuff but mm-hmm. um often people who do environment art will 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 probably do either uh textures shaders some will do modeling like there's more of a like you're often less involved in the whole creation step from right after the consulting stage all the way to the integration and the shaders and stuff like that but most people mm-hmm. who do character art are involved in that whole process from beginning to end so you're a bit more mm. um the job itself, I don't want to say that you have more ownership, although it is true, but at the same time, there is such a thing as as, as being overly sort of focusing on that, you know, like when you work on a team, you have to accept that other people will also sort of 
uh, come and go on the uh, characters that you do, you know, because you always want to speak mm-hmm. to people's strengths and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. at the same time, um, you're, you often have, at the end of a projection, perhaps, you often have something that is more tangible that you can put in your portfolio say, hey, I've done this from like start to end or something like that, you know? So, yeah, and, yeah. and that's kind of interesting. And it's also interesting because it means that the job is a lot more varied, which is also, I think, an mm-hmm. advantage. You get to do every day is often a different day. You know, it's like perhaps you'll be sculpting something for a few weeks. Then afterward, you'll be doing retopology for a few days, like a few weeks. Then afterward, you'll do mm-hmm. textures, you'll, you'll do shaders, and then you start the process all over again. You know, like it's very varied as a job. So it never really gets boring, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a big advantage. Now, as far as disadvantages are concerned, well, uh, you know, as you rightfully pointed out, sometimes the fact that we do love character art so much does become a problem uh, because we do, uh, most people who do character art that I know are workaholics, unfortunately. And uh, that's that's pretty bad, but unfortunately that's just how it is, you know? And yep. uh, it is certainly possible to have a nice work work-life balance but uh first that is a bit of a dark side of the industry to begin with there are studios that do exploit their their staff uh now personally Mm. speaking i've never worked at one of these studios i've always been very 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 lucky working both at idos montreal and at guerrilla games uh that we always that i was always working on teams uh that really put forward the idea that no, no no it's like you do 40 hours a week and then like okay sure sometimes there will be overtime but we really want to minimize the amount of overtime that people have to do uh and uh work with uh managers that also believed in like hey laura you've probably been here for like too long why don't you go home and uh, like why don't you like relax a bit you know um yeah it's like at some point i I, uh working on uh, deus ex at some point and like i really loved this boss that i worked with by the way he was Mm -hmm. one of the best person i had worked with at some point um uh, we uh, were ramping down and it was near the end of production and uh, some of the team, you know, I was the lead back then. So a lot of the team had actually moved on to like uh, different projects and I was left over there. And uh, at some point I was like, I had spent like 70 hours in like one week. That's what my timesheet was like saying. And like, I was actually proud of that. You know, I'm like, Hey guys, look, I work 70 hours. Like, ain't that cool? You know? And then my boss was like, what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> Go home. Like, don't don't actually do that. You know, like that's not yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I had I was very lucky with working with a manager there that really put forward, um, 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 you know, like the work-life balance kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like just just to make sure that everyone was was actually working a very healthy amount there. But uh, you know, there are two things here. One is that yes, there are studios where that's not the case, and you have to watch mm. out, of course, for that. Yeah. You know, when you are passing an interview, by the way, people don't think about this too much. Interviews go both ways. It's not just them interviewing you. It's also you interviewing them to make sure that you are stepping into a place where uh, work-life balance is respected. But also, there is also something else, which is that we also sometimes need to be safe from ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one one thing I got taught ages ago, and this was before, because I used to be an engineer, so I left that life and then came into art. But someone told me years and years and years ago about one of the best questions to ask during an interview, because people will eventually get to a point where they'll say, do you have any questions for us? And I thought one of the best ones was, what was your favorite thing about working here? Like, what do you love about the studio? And they would have to really sit and be like, oh, I never really thought about that. But yeah, because if it's a good enough studio, they'll probably be like, oh, you know, I love the people I work with, or I love the fact that, you know, we have Taco Fridays or whatever the hell it is, you know, like, but then if they really struggle to answer that question, then you're kind of seeing yourself, oh, well, what's happening here? You know, there must be something going on in the background that I'm not really reading. Um, and you can probably notice that as well when you walk through a studio, like into your interview, you look at people, you know, 
are people kind of talkative? Are they walking about quite merrily, kind of having conversations with people? Is there quite a kind of lively atmosphere? Or is everybody fixed to their desk with their headphones on and like nobody's talking? I mean, sometimes obviously that's just a factor. Like they could be in crunch or they could be doing something where they need to be working. But yeah, there's definitely red flags you can spot as you're walking into these places. Um, even the people interviewing you, you probably be able to get a sense of what they're like, you know, when you talk to them. But I think it's difficult as well because when you're so young in the industry, you want to please people so badly. Like you want That's to, right. you know, oh, I, I want a job, I want a job. You don't want to come off as desperate because like I've, I've been in interviews where people have been like that and like, I know they're wanting the job, but like at the same time, you don't want to sell your soul for like anything. Like, oh, I'll work here. I don't care. You know, if the, you can pay me like half the money and you're like, oh God, no. You know, like, but then again, that comes with me being a bit older in the industry and coming in now when I'm in my 30s. But like, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're really young, you're just like, oh, please give me a job. Please, please, please. So, I mean, is there anything you would say would be a kind of a guide to how to present yourself at like interviews or, or in junior positions when you're going for character art, you know, teams? Like, do you think there's a way to kind of put yourself across as the fact that like I want to work here, but I don't want to be taken advantage of. I, uh, this is going to come across very harsh, but I don't think there's much you can do when you're applying for a junior, uh, position. Yeah. Cause when you're yeah, a junior, I mean, you don't, yeah. you don't have a lot of negotiating power. Unfortunately, uh, you more yeah. or less have to take the salary they're going to give you and you more or less have to, you know, but I don't think it's necessarily like, at least for a salary side, it's not that bad. It's like you work a few, years you know and then you prove yourself yeah. and then afterward you have the power you have that that experience to go and negotiate perhaps somewhere else like yeah. a salary that you think is actually uh, comfortable for like yourself but uh honestly yeah. like i hate to say it but when you're a junior there's not much you can do you more or less have to accept what is offered to you because you you simply don't have that power you know it's like mm. unfortunately for most studios it's like well unfortunately there's a lot of people applying here that are have the same degree of experience that you do so like I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good, but unfortunately, I think that's how it is. You know, just so, a fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you are essentially going through an interview, it's good to ask questions. You know, like, okay, what are the core fundamental values at the? Uh, what are the fundamental values at the core of your studio? Let's say, you know, and like often just asking that uh, question will probably also get you a very broad range of answers that are very interesting. Mm. You know, so like, yeah. um, if you are being interviewed, all right, like when someone at the end of the of the interview, this is very uh, typical asks you, mm. do you have any questions for us? Ask mm. questions. You have to ask questions, all right? It is important yeah. that you do so, uh, else mm -hmm. they will uh, uh, sort of interpret you as being uh, perhaps uninterested by the position there. So do ask yeah. questions. What are the core values of the studio? Do you guys have a good work-life uh, balance? You know, how many people, uh, like how many hours on average do people work? These sorts of things. It's a great yeah. time for you to interview them and uh, mm -hmm. see if, uh, you know, like just get a feel for it, you know, like, okay, is this, mm -hmm. is this the proper place to work or not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you can kind of grab a snippet about some particular studios that, you know, maybe their mottos on their website or their core values are something that's really interested you and you're like, oh, well, I noticed when I was, you know, looking through your website and researching for this role that, you know, this is something you mentioned on the website. And so how does that actually build into your, your work culture when, you know, pe with people who work here? And then people will be like, oh, holy shit, like, you know, they've actually paid attention. They've actually looked at the website, like, they've not just walked in the door and hoped for a job. So, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's one of the trappings, I think, of this industry is that every single studio on the planet, even though there are thousands, tens of thousands of studios, they're all individual. They're all just like people, you know, they have their own morals, their own styles, their own yeah. types of games that they work on, strategy, first person, sure, whatever. So 
every single interview you really have to prep because like you know even like somewhere like idos right when you're walking in the doors are there you know like oh well story driven games typically single player depending on what they are so there's values that you've got to try and build up to when you walk into those studios and ask yourself well what is important to them and how can i convey that when i'm going to get interviewed i mean like you probably couldn't cast your mind back now because it seems like so long ago but when you interviewed for idos i mean what were some of the, the maybe highlights that were in your interview or things you talked about that you feel you can still remember yeah, I mean that's been a while. Like that's that was a while ago. Yeah. Like you'd you'd have a better chance of getting an interesting answer from me if you asked me about my interview at uh, at uh, Gorilla Games there. But when I was yeah. uh, essentially, the, I, I still do remember that process really quite well. Like because you know, like mm-hmm. it's the first job that you get into games industry. It's very important. Yeah. So that does essentially get burned into your uh, memory You're there right, a bit yeah. more. So let me just go through that history just very briefly here. Essentially, um, I went to school, right? So uh, I went to uh, school here in. Uh, Montreal, where is the place where I teach right now? Essentially, so the place is called uh, yeah. it's called uh, NAD or NAD, which mm. is a mm. somewhat unfortunate name as far as English is concerned, but it is a <laughs> French school. Uh, so here yeah. at um, when I did my one year program there, um, pretty much. I was very extremely lucky. I think that like, honestly, like the stars aligned really well. I think I worked hard. I had a good portfolio in the end, but ultimately also uh, the fact that I broke into the games industry, there was also a big element of luck in there because the stars just Mm. aligned in a way that um, IDOS Montreal, they were looking for a junior. And they're like, okay, so which school is around here? Oh, there is this school there that's called uh, NAD. Why don't I go there and go there? So so the, uh, the... lead for the uh, character art team back then uh, came to the school and they pretty much interviewed all people who did uh, character art right on the spot there you know so I mean truth be told like I, I, I uh, it, it's like that was too big of an like of a moment for me I was like so like sort of out of it uh, because like yeah, everything yeah, yeah. was so like new and fresh and sort of exciting and, and that I didn't really know too much what I said there but somehow I said yeah, the right yeah. things um, and uh, after that so I, I, I went for a second interview at IDOS Montreal directly uh, and I think I was the only one that they sort of invited then. They're like, okay, like, I think we really like you. Why don't you come here? Uh, and so, I mean, I'm sure that if I had failed that, they would have invited someone else in my stead. But yeah, um, yeah. I guess they they, they kind of really knew that they wanted me back then. So uh, I went to the studio directly. I met the art director, which, uh, uh, you know, which is uh, where that sort of big and very interesting friendship sort of more or less uh, started there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so he pretty much looked at my stuff, asked me a few questions that really focused on art. And so I was convinced mm-hmm. that I was the right person. <laughs> and I got very lucky indeed. Yeah. I mean, I think people have always told me as well when it comes to art interviews, especially with the industry, that if you get in the building, you're 90% of the way there. Because typically when you do the face-to-face, it's because you've, you know, they've seen your art, they've invited you in. So it's less about your art then, it's more just about are you a sane human being? Like, could exactly. we work with oh, you yeah, yeah. for, yeah, for 40 so hours a true. week without yeah. Yeah. personal hygiene? Do you have any extreme <laughs> religious views? Like, you know, because you never know. Like, you, you don't know people till they walk in the door and talk to you. So, um, but like, yes, yeah, it, I think people always think, I think like, oh, I've got this face-to-face interview and I'm still not sure. I'm like, well, if you're at that stage, then yeah, you probably have 90% got the job. It's literally just a, a litmus test of like, are you a normal human being? So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is so true. Yeah, yeah. That is essentially usually the thing that like people are kind of worried about. It's like, okay, you know, because yeah, it's like, like, would we want to work with you? You know, because like usually the interview process is okay. Like, well, first we'll look through everyone's portfolio and we'll select the people who are, we are already convinced they can do the job just based on their skills and their 
the skills that they're showing through their uh, portfolio then. So yeah, a lot yeah. of the interviews really just about, um, would we want to work with you or are you a good fit on the team or not, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even recently, I've seen a lot of people actually. They go, it's like a lunch interview now. So you would you would go for a typical interview in an office, and they would probably be like, "Cool, do you want to go to lunch?" And then you kind of meet the whole team. Then they tend to bring like the, the character team out with you, and then you sit with them and have a big conversation. Yeah. And obviously, after that, they would all sit and be like, "Cool, what did you think? Of X, Y person? Yeah, they were cool. They probably hire them. They'd be fun to hang out with. And then yeah, it goes from there. So yeah, it's it's not as it's. The, I think the overall theme is like the industry isn't as scary as you think. It's it's just that. It is competitive, it is hard to get in, it does require a lot of hard work, but once you break in, and that is the hardest bit, is breaking in, then it kind of just like steamrolls from there. Like it just gets no easier, but opportunities come more frequently. And I think especially within games, because teams change so often, because games have a life cycle, you can work on maybe one game or a couple of years and you do get the opportunity to move up quite quickly. If you're proving yourself in your job and you're obviously meeting and hitting your deadlines. So um, so yeah, like it, don't think that you know, I, I do have people who contact me and think that, like, oh god, the industry is so scary and it's so intense and oh my god, and like it, it is, it is a competitive industry, but it's not impossible. Nothing is impossible. Like, you work hard enough, you stay dedicated to your craft, you will eventually find work. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah, definitely. So, so I mean, like, I think that's a good place to end on, and uh, and yeah, I know Laura's got uh, things to do anyway, so we'll need to let her go and, and get on with her day. Um, but if you guys have stuck about to this point, um, thank you for for listening so far. And of course, I said like I'd leave Laura's links below. You can check out her uh, studio and her school, as well as her YouTube channel and any other links that she's going to send me. And uh, and yeah, just to say thanks also to Laura for coming on. Um, I hope it's you enjoyed pleasure. it. Thanks for the invitation. It's been great. To- yeah, yeah. The chat awesome man i really really enjoyed it um yeah cool so if you guys have any questions for her or anything at all you can reach out to her at her channel or school or leave a comment down below um if you guys are listening on any of the audio versions so spotify itunes google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff um we do a, a video version um where you can see both our lovely faces on youtube um you can head over there and check us out also and leave us a like and yeah uh up until then this is pretty much it uh, if you guys uh want to keep listening there's more episodes on the on the youtube channel and also through on the other websites and uh yeah we'll speak to you guys later uh thanks to you for listening thanks to laura and we'll see you guys next time bye